Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. And today we come to you after surviving a freak snowstorm. <laughs> Bill has recently moved. I barely made it to preschool or kindergarten to drop my son off today. It's It snows everywhere, and we are nestled in right now. Together on the couch, under covers, Bill and I, arms Brr. around each other. <laughs> Hold me. We're both using the same mic. Um, but uh, yeah, we have kind of an um, uh, unusual show structure today, or at least a little bit off the beaten path, and the fact that we have not been playing a lot of games lately, because we've both been really busy. And, uh, and we recorded last week's episode right. a little late, so it was after game night. Feels so we like yesterday. We haven't had a game night since we recorded, so... Uh, and like Kaz said, I've been moving, and uh, Kaz's wife went out of town, and so I don't know if Kaz has had any sad just, game time or not. Nope. But she, as soon as she leaves, I just lay on the floor until <laughs> someone tells me to do something. Cry. Yeah, <laughs> I I feel you. So uh, so yeah, I don't have anything for games we've been playing. So in lieu of that, we thought we'd do a little discussion on um, something uh, we do anyway when we get together, which is just talk about game mechanisms and games and uh, ins and outs of that and that is scaling of games yes so for anyone unfamiliar with the term scaling it is just uh how a game plays with two players three players four players five players how it scales up and down that player count um there are some games as everyone is aware there are some games out there that just play that say two to four players but plays two players really well and you'd never play it four player um there's by the same token there's games that are legit four player game that you can play with two player but it's it's not balanced and nobody ever really they designed it a specific player count and um i kind of wanted to toss around a few things as far as like what i think uh and what you think yeah of uh makes a game scale well what kind of uh things do you look for when you look at a game right out of the package with scaling um personally i don't love when a game i i understand why a game has to do it but sometimes it's annoying when a game's like okay um remove this card, this card, mm. this card, this card, and 16 of these other cards <laughs> when you're playing two-player. And you feel like you're playing like half the game. You sort of right. feel like you're missing out. Or if it says, you know, oh, okay, take all the cards and then randomly take out 20. Right. Like, well, what if there's some really badass cards in there that we just don't get to play with very often that you'd Combos see with four maybe, players? Yeah, yeah stuff that's like integral, especially with, with like deck building and things like that. And I understand the need to not have all those cards in there because the game would take too long and would just get really unwieldy. But it just, it seems like there are other things that games do uh, to scale uh, that that are different than that. Because that can legit affect, especially if you have a, a big game that has multiple decks mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, with a two-player game, remove all these things from all these different decks and three-player do the same thing, four-player... Uh, it's it almost feels like a campaign game where you know yeah. you're just playing with a certain select bits, and um, that that can add that can like double <laughs> setup time, which yeah nobody likes setup time. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you you kind of wonder like when they were making this game. I think a lot of games when they're being designed are designed with a certain player count. And it's probably a lot of times two if if you know. Um, that could just be my guess, but, or it is just my guess, but <laughs> I could be wrong. Um, but it seems like every game's got that sweet spot. And so you kind of wonder, did they start there or just with the function and the mechanism interaction of their game? Is that just happened to be the sweet spot it, or did they start there? And then after the fact, they got a good game going and they're like, Ooh, let's see if it plays with two or three or four or whatever it was that they hadn't played with before. And then having to make those changes because some games on the flip side do it amazingly well. We were talking about horrified and how that game doesn't change anything regardless of player count. You just throw another player in there. It doesn't lessen the amount of times the monsters move or interact. It doesn't lessen the amount of odds that uh, a villager would come out or an action would fire off because Mm -hmm. every player's turn is the same and everything that can happen in the game um, happens in the game. Every, every like, um, creature turn or yeah. action possibilities there because the monster goes after 
each player's turn. Yeah, so it doesn't matter how many players so, there are. So, yeah, one player, monster. Two player, monster. Three player, like it's still... Uh, and and then we were talking at the same... By, by the same token, you've got a game like Sentinels of the Multiverse, mm-hmm. where if you have two players, the two players go, and then the bad guy goes. But if you have five players, all five players go, and then the bad guys go. So the five-player version is way easier. Right, right, uh, yeah. So it really affects the balance of the game, I feel like. And, and I don't love when games do that. That sort of feels like that's a... Uh, just sort of a cop out like yeah you can uh, you can play with the, any player count you want bam just uh yeah, <laughs> yeah it's fine it's totally different experience but sure you could do it right um but but at least at, at least most games tend to at least pay attention to how their games scale uh there are games that you get that nothing changes at all between multiple players and it really affects it it doesn't do um it doesn't offset that the way horrified or, or those kind of games do. It just you just add somebody into the mix, yeah, and it throws the balance off, and and they they become radically different games between two, three, four, or five players. They're just they're completely different experiences. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like you're talking about with Sentinels, that's an interesting one too because um, we were kind of going over this just before we started. But that as a designer, you've got to really pay attention to. I feel like you've given yourself a problem that you didn't need to, where in two players with the bad guy, so you go, I go, and then the bad guy goes, um, that feels probably pretty balanced. That's hard, and you know I feel like it's a challenge, but then you get more people, and suddenly you have this engine of preparing for what the bad guy's going to do. So as a designer, you've really got to make the bad guy, his turn, count. So maybe you, he becomes, you make him overpowered, so in five players, he's still hard and a challenge. But then when you slim back down to two players, suddenly he's like impossible. godlike. Yeah, he's impossible. <laughs> impossible to beat because he is just he's designed for um, more players having to turn before he goes. Um, one of the things I we we meant, talked about is uh, the offset of this is there's a game called Aeon's End, which I've, I've definitely mentioned before. They're very similar games. They're they're really similar games. But one of the things that Aeon's End does, which is interesting is it changes the player order. The player order is random. And so it's in a deck of cards. The bad guy has two action cards or two turn order cards in that deck, and then each player has one. And then you randomly draw. So the turn order is never the same. The bad guy could go first. He could go twice in a row, or he could go twice at the end, or you know, you never know. But it creates this really dynamic effect within the structure of the game of this unpredictability that makes it feel more alive and it's basically the same game as sentinels but it just changes the gameplay so much um and scaling because when you scale that um i think in the the lowest count there's only one bad guy action i think with like two players there's only one bad guy action and uh each player has an action so that the scaling is done in turn order versus um, the size of the bad guy or the amount of powers or cards you get. Mm-hmm. So that's a really unique way of thinking of adjusting for scaling that works really, really well, actually. Yeah, definitely. And and I like Sentinels of the Multiverse a lot. So I'm yeah, not, oh yeah, me too. I like it a lot too, yeah. It, yes. Um, if we had to complain, someone's right. gun to our head. <laughs> and then you've got, you've got games uh, like, I would say, almost every uh, social deduction game out there. Right, right. Uh, that says, oh, well, you plays uh, like four to ten. Um, a four-player game of Secret <laughs> Hitler is terrible. Like, no one would ever play this. And I don't, know, I don't know if it's four or five, but the minimum there. But even a five-player game of Secret Hitler is awful. Yeah. It's not worth playing. Um, it doesn't actually hit its stride till probably like eight players. Yeah. Um, eight to ten it plays great. Below that, it should just say 8 to 10. Yeah. Um, the same with uh, Deception Murder in Hong Kong, one of our favorite mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it plays 4 to 12. Yeah, and I can a, imagine it's 4. A four-player game of Deception sounds literally like the worst game ever. Um, I, I can't... It, it would seem like it would just be a clue giver, um, two investigators, and a murderer. And... <laughs> Like, I don't know how fun that would... That, that just yeah, so, doesn't seem fun at all. Yeah, exactly. Especially in that game, there's always one person who's not playing the actively trying to hunt the murderer down, so there's just three people. Yeah. So it's basically kind of a game of, like, 
that kids game of uh, guess who? Where you is, does the murderer right. have black hair? Yeah, and <laughs> we've we've played a, the murderer. We yes. played a six-player game of deception, a couple of them, and and it's played pretty reasonably well. Yeah, surprisingly um, well actually. Yeah, and it scales uh, a twelve-player game. I've played a ton of twelve-player games, and it's amazing. Um, so I think it should legit say six to twelve. I understand there's marketing to that they have to take into account and they have to sell this to people who want to look for a good, highly recommended four player game. Yeah. Um, and like, oh, we can play Deception Murder in Hong Kong. But you really, <laughs> really can't. You really can't. Um, what I tend to use and what helps me a lot is uh, if you go on Board Game Geek, they have a recommended like what the community says uh, plays best. And I found that to be pretty on target. Um, yeah, there are a lot of big Euro games, uh, that play, you know, can play like, you know, five or six or whatever. And you would never actually play them that way. Like even, I love Scythe, but Scythe with maximum players, this before the expansions. And I think they expanded. So I think it now plays like seven or eight or something with the expansions. Oh, Um, even a four-player game or five-player game is is heavy. Like it's it takes a long time. It's it's kind of past the point where um, it, there's a lot of sitting around, sort of waiting for other players to take their turns. Right, right. Uh, it stretches it out too much. And I think that uh, a lot of those big games with the big long turns don't play real well at maximum player count. And it would almost it would seem like that. The games are doing the audience a disservice by saying they play that many. Because yeah, they don't. I mean, they 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 do, but it's a different experience, and I don't I don't feel like that's always a fair point. Yeah, I I love that board game geek does have that as part of their standard um, review points. You can look up the standard information in the reviews. It's here's how many does play and here's what everyone says is the best way to play this right. game and so it's probably not like you can, if it says three yeah you could play four or two i'm sure it's fine and so there's a buffer zone the farther you get out from that though um it's probably yeah. gonna be worse but so once where you see plays like one to eight right. and uh, it plays best with five you're right. like ooh, mm, all right i don't know <laughs> no yeah <laughs> you're probably best with like four to four six, to six. <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah no but that's true because like euro games do suffer from that because euros are a lot of solitaire playing at a table with other players and, and that's long really turns. fun yeah long turns long like brain burning turns sometimes um really fun but then if you know what you're gonna do you're just sort of watching the clock tick as everyone makes their way around the table and then it becomes less fun because if someone hasn't thought it out as much, their turns are going to take that much longer, and then you're kind of frustrated with them, and it's just like, yeah, but that's you shouldn't be. I mean, so it, it definitely diminishes in a different way. I, I have to say, I'm trying to think of um, uh, a Euro game that's, what's the one that does it well where there's something that's going on during in between turns yeah, that I, at least keeps your attention or keeps your focus? I think with with... That kind of thing. I think simultaneous actions of some sort, or at least yeah. group actions. That's the way um, around it, yeah. That's one of the things I really love about like Dead Man's Cabal that we talked yeah. about last week. Yeah, that's a good is the example. fact that there's always that um, there there's communal action. Always the the yeah, the community action, the group action where everyone is take doing something on your turn. That's that's why everyone in our group loves space base so much. Right. Because everybody's die roll affects everyone at the table. When anytime you roll a die even a guy who's not going to have his turn for, you know, five minutes is still looking across the table, looking at those die because it affects his board. Right. So, um, that one, that's the, that's a really good solution. I think for, for that, for games that suffer from, uh, long turns. Yeah. Uh, especially at max player counts. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. Well, um, that's sort of so. So I guess the my my short version of this is game designers, uh, please keep in mind uh, <laughs> scaling when you design games. If you're if you if your game works great at four, works okay at three, and you just want to put two on there because it physically can be done, just put three to four. Uh, it may not it it may affect your your marketability or what have you, um, but don't. 
don't force a player count that isn't there. Right. Uh, play, pay attention to that. And play test all your player counts. Uh, there's a surprising number of games that at certain player counts, you're like, there's no way they play tested this. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like it's falls apart or there's just... Yeah. It's either too loose or it's way too tight to like the decisions have to be perfect or exactly. they are just they're too um ineffectual. Exactly. Now, um moving on and sort of building on to this, uh we are doing not a top 5 list today, top. but top 10s. <laughs> we're each doing top 10. Uh we're trying going to try to not be as long-winded. Um <laughs> so that this isn't a 2-hour episode. Uh, but we figured on a day when we don't have a whole lot of what if we played games and we have a fairly shorter uh, mid-conversation, um, we're going to do our top 10 two-player-only games. Um, well, I say two-player-only. Two uh, there are a handful of games on here that are multiplayer games but play best, we feel, with two um, most of the games on my list, uh, almost all of them, are two-player only games. But I did want to have leave some room for games that are best with two-player. Yeah, I um, yeah, mine mine's list the same way. I, I do have a few that are the same way that I do play more, but I play probably play them more often when there's a two-player game, and um, they really shine as a two-player game. Absolutely. Um, all right. You want to kick it off? I, I will kick it off. So I'm going to kick it off with a game that I have talked about before, and it is a favorite of my wife and I's. It's a very small game, uh, but it is absolutely beautiful, and it's Hanami Koji, and that's by Emperor S4 Games. Yeah. And it is super quick. It's beautiful. It's, uh, it's eye-catching. People walk by and... If you're playing it out somewhere and like, ooh, what's that? Um, it takes up a little more table space than a lot of other two-player games just because you have to set these big tarot-sized cards, like seven of them, um, across the middle of the table. But uh, overall, it comes in a very small package. Uh, it's very easy to teach. It's very easy to pick up on. Uh, it's not a huge brain burner because there's only four things you can do on a turn. Um, and you're going to do all four of those things, but one at a time on alternating turns. So uh, I won't go get into the me- mechanisms of it because I've reviewed it pretty extensively in the past. Uh, but that is my, um, not in any particular order, but my number 10, nice. Hanami Koji. All right. <clears throat> I will uh, kick it off as well with one that I played a lot. I still play it, but I only really play it in the app form, and that is Patchwork. Uh, Patchwork is uh, just another very colorful, beautiful game. They The reason I played in the app is they did this app amazingly well. Excellent. Um, yeah, it's... I can't imagine a better, better app <laughs> for this game. Um, but yeah, Patchwork is just a, a tiling game. It is... Um, uh, let's see, 2014, I think, is the original one. They've gone and done a little, other, a few other versions of it, but I think the original still shines through as the best version of it. It's uh, Uwe Rosenberg. His, uh, I think, it was the first tile laying in his tile laying period <laughs> of yes. games, which is all which he I seems think to be designing still right going, now. Yeah, yes. he's got all the garden ones. All he's really into tiles, but this, uh, they're all good as. Uh, but this is the one I've had the most experience with, and it is just a great two-player game. It's deceptively engaging i think when you think of a, uh, a quilting game you don't think of a of a head-to-head competition but it's very cute in its art but there is a lot of strategy and um a lot of replayability because of the way the board is set up and um uh and there's there's a little bit of learning curve here like a lot of uve games but i love patchwork i, I like playing it all the time and i still play it all the time it, it is excellent yes i agree 100 percent. that was on my short list um, all right, so my number nine is a game called Holmes, Sherlock, and Mycroft. Oh, yeah. And it is a uh, two-player game that features prominently a mechanism that is not normally uh, real prominent in two-player games, and that is worker placement. So the way 
it works. There's a board over a period of days. You're interviewing witnesses. A new witness comes out uh, after every round, and that witness opens up a worker placement spot that you can put one of your three meeples on. And so if, uh, if two people use the same meeple in a turn, it flips upside down and is unavailable for the next turn. So you can kind of exhaust uh, people. So, uh, and you also can't move back on to a, uh, spot a card that you've already been on uh, previously, the, the previous round, um, ex- unless it's one of the main three uh, ones that are always there, which is like Holmes, uh, Watson, and Mrs. Doubtfire. Doubtfire, yes. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> makes an appearance apparently in this game, and it's great. Uh, so... It is uh, it is really really fun game. I like the way the scoring is done. Uh, it's done with uh, with majorities, and so it's very innovative. I thought uh, it's also a game that my wife and I have played a million times. We both really love it, and I don't feel like it gets as much love as it deserves. But that is uh, Holmes, Sherlock, and Mycroft. Yeah, I have not played this one. That's a game though. I I uh, I kind of forget about, it and then I here mentioned here and there and i really love i love holmes games anyway so i do too. I would love to play this one um all right next on the list is uh one i've mentioned many times before actually several of these are going to be ones i've mentioned many times before because <laughs> i end up playing these a lot and that is dice masters uh i just like dice masters it's a great head-to-head game and it just it one of its strength is just the, something that we all like to do that's just satisfying is just rolling dice but it has this great um, structure of building a team in my case of superheroes although there's a lot of themes of this game that you can buy and most of them are superheroes some of them are fantasy they've got dungeons and dragons and stuff like that but anyway it's just a great structure of a head-to-head battle you build this team and then they are not active right away you've got to recruit them throughout the game and then you have the odds of well, where luck comes into play is with this dice um, what you're grabbing so there's a little bit of like deck management but within your dice bag and so it's just really done well it's satisfying and it's a game that you can play probably i I always play a couple rounds of this when we do play it and um you can build a team uh, in advance to uh try out to uh anyway just there's a lot of customization options here and i really like that and so it's a fun set to have and i've mentioned this before but this is a game that is a collectible game i would not fall down that trap i would find whatever theme you enjoy get the starter version of it play that for a while there's a lot of replayability in the starter packs they're only like 15 20 bucks and then um you can go from there if you'd like to but there's there's a, there's a huge rabbit hole you can go down here yes do, do not do any that collectible yeah. game. it's yeah. just it's it's frustrating that they set it up the way kind of get it but it's also um just choose a theme because they all play really well and they they do pretty much the same thing so anyway dice masters is a great one okay my number eight should actually be my number seven because it's Seven Wonders Duel. <laughs> uh, so it is uh, just what it says. It is the dual two-player version of Seven Wonders. Um, in this game, it uh, basically feels like a scaled-down Seven Wonders. Uh, it's really engaging. It's uh, it's surprisingly easy to teach. Um, Seven Wonders, the big game i don't love to teach because there's a lot going on yeah um i know it's kind of suitable for that gateway game type of thing but there's still it's not something that i enjoy teaching i don't have a problem teaching seven wonders tool um it takes all to me all of the fun parts of seven wonders and puts it into a two-player game that goes quick um and it's uh another favorite Uh, My wife likes it. I like it. Everyone that I've ever uh, played it with has enjoyed it. So that is uh, Seven Wonders Duel. Okay. Yeah, that's one I've never played, um, but also hear great things about. Um, I'm just going to knock off another one that I've talked a lot about, and you guys know it's going to be on my list, so I'm just going to say Arkham Horror LCG. Bam. Um, (laughs) Not much more I could say about this. If you like Arkham, if you like horror themes, if you like uh, building a deck and, and throwing it against the game structure this is just a great one i know it can play more but when you buy the core set 
it is only a two-player game. You do need to buy another core set if you want to have enough of the base cards to have more than two functional decks. Um, however, you can get together with other groups of people if you want to expand it. However, I mostly play this with two or solo. So this is just a really great deep story game. And when I want a deep story experience, I will probably grab this. So Arkham Horror LCG, highly recommend. Okay. Um, so my next one is, uh, is a pretty good sized game. It's, it's pretty big. Uh, it's bigger than a lot of these other ones I'm talking about. And this is primarily a two player game. It can technically play four, not three, but it can play two or four. Um, and that's if you want to put two people on each team, which to me is a total cop out. This is a two player game. And that's Baseball Highlights 2045. Ooh, nice. So um, I, my wife and I are both gigantic baseball fans. Uh, we, we love baseball. We watch a lot of baseball during baseball season. <laughs> um, we are not watching this particular World Series because it's right up there on the who cares spectrum. <laughs> but um, we are big baseball fans, and this game really scratches that baseball itch. Um, you have a diamond out, and it's basically you're playing a bunch of mini games. Um, you're you have your pitching lineup and your hitting lineup, and depending on how they interact with each other, um, different bases go around, and different things happen. And and you're it's it feels like baseball uh, without being like one of those weird like stat baseball games that like your dad yeah. used to play, you know, <laughs> you're like, what is that? And he's got his abacus out or whatever. <laughs> oh, trust me. You'll love it. No, I won't. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, it's just, it's, it's a fun, uh, it, it's a fun game. If you are at all into baseball or really any sports, I guess, uh, this is, this is a good one. We've enjoyed it a lot. And that is baseball highlights, 2045. <laughs> Um, all right, next for me is a little chess-like game that uh, called Onitama. Onitama is a great two-player game. It kind of feels, it's very like peaceful to play. The setting is even peaceful in a way. You are um, dueling um, schools, a Japanese school, so you're like monks kind of dueling for dominance between each other, um, but it's very beautiful, and that sort of feudal Japan- Japanese art. Um, and it's like chess, except each time there's a limited amount of moves that any player can do, and you can only you you swap them out. So if you do one of the moves, you give it to the other player, and then the other player can do that move next turn, but you can't. So it's this really interesting fluid structure of having options available to you to move, limited options available to you, and then planning on your next move and next move beyond that. Um, I just enjoy playing. It's a fun little puzzle. And uh, plays quickly. It's fairly light feeling, but there's definitely definitely strategy here, and um, it's got some little fun monk pieces to interact with, and a couple two ways to win the game, which is you can either take over the territory of the temple of the dueling um, school, or you can trap the, um, uh, the elder. Master. Yeah, the master. Yeah. I was trying to think. Of that. I was like, what do you call that guy? <laughs> the not, big one. The not big, the apprentice. The big lock. The big uh, master um, piece. Uh, as well so there's just this that adds a little fun um dynamic whereas you know obviously the closest comparison is chess you've got to capture the king this i love the fact that you can just be like haha i'm in your temple so (laughs) what are you gonna do about it yeah this this is an exceptional one this was definitely on my short list as well um it is extremely tactical much more so than than chess is which i i really like because uh i feel like i feel like the the one thing chess does to limit people is um it's so strategic and so heavy on long-term strategy uh that even if you're a really good tactical player you can win short term and win material but uh ultimately it is it's a strategy game whereas i think this is much more tactical and i think it's a lot easier to be good at um you can't memorize openings or anything like that because there's a limited number of moves uh limited that every game could be completely different. You yep. may never have be able to use the rabbit or the donkey or yeah, you know the river flows um, the river or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, it's constantly changing, and you have to you have to adapt to each new game. So I it, 
big thumbs up for me. Two thumbs up. I have both. <laughs> I I test. He's got them right there. Here they are. <clears throat> um, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, just a good a good one. And it it does take the uh, the rigidity out of chess. It's it, it's easier to introduce than if you like chess. It's, some people struggle with the structure of chess because it's so rigid. This is a great. You get the feel of it, but it doesn't feel like so yeah, rigid. It, it feels like chess, but yeah, it feels like something that's much more accessible, Yeah, I think. Okay. So even though that seemed like that was my choice, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, uh, I'm going to move on to my next one, which is my number six. And that is going to be a game called Santorini. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, since we're going along with something similar to chess variants, uh, this is played on a board uh, that sort of lays out similar to a chess board. Um, and you are you have these worker guys. Um, what are they called? Like, I don't know. Uh, they have god yeah. powers and things like that. So I guess they're gods. And they uh, you have these powers that they can do that are unique to you that change every game. Um and it is uh it's very tactical it changes a lot and it's super easy to explain yet again um and it's beautiful it's absolutely gorgeous the production value on it is fantastic uh the replayability is is exceptionally high uh, especially with all the different god powers and um technically i think i this game can be four players Uh, i've seen you guys play it at game night four Mm -hmm. player um, that to me just doesn't seem like the ideal. Yeah. Uh, cause there are just two on each team. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's teaming again. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I'm not a huge fan of, oh, you can play this game or you can double the player count by just doing the exact same thing with teams. <laughs> right. What? So you, now you have to argue about yeah. what to do. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> I'd rather just play a two player. So as far as I'm concerned, this is strictly a two player game. Um, and that is Santorini. Yeah, that's uh, Santorini is great, and um, also a similar kind of chessy feelish to it. Yeah, but uh, in a diff- much different way too. So yeah, that's a great one. Um, so my next one is um, one that I actually don't play a lot because I typically grab uh, other card card games of this. This is Star Wars Destiny. So I put Star Wars Destiny on the list because if you like Star Wars and you just want a good two player game. Um, this is great and it's easy to try because the start, they sell it as a starter set and the starter set right now, I think it's like 15 bucks is what you can get it for. So it's pretty cheap. Gives you the base, um, a couple decks to try the game. The decks are smaller than you can build a deck to. So it's more of just a taste of the game, um, showing you what it can do. And it is, um, based on the current trilogy um, characters in the starter set, just FYI, and if you're looking for classic characters. If you want to expand and get more characters, they have the whole gamut of Star Wars um, characters available and themes available within the Star Wars universe. But Destiny is just another two-player um, head-to-head game, but it uses dice in a really interesting way. So it, it's what you'd expect from c- playing cards against each other, but the structure is a little different and it's fun to do it within the Star Wars universe. And I think it really does do the dice implementation well. And it has all these, a uh, couple other resources or chits that are involved in the game that make it more dynamic and, and apart from other games of its type. So I like Destiny as well. Uh, well, another caveat with this one, this is a collectible one. So once again, Choose, I would say do the starter set and then um, just here and there. It, choose wisely. Yeah, choose wisely and just grab things. Play choose, With all these collectibles, play it for fun, not to be the best there is. Just exist in the structure and then enjoy it that way. And that's, that's <laughs> I think, a huge um, point on enjoying these games and not getting caught up in getting all the stuff for these games. Um, it's well designed, so even even uh, if you're not playing with someone who's buying everything, you're still gonna have a really good game and competitive game with the cards you have. I agree, hundred percent. All right, so my next game is a little bit off the beaten path. I'm not sure a lot of people know this game, but here goes. Um, it's actually based on another game. That this is the Cthulhu version of this game. It's called Tides of Madness. Oh, yeah. Um, And it is, uh, I believe the original game is Tides of Time. And 
it this is a drafting game that basically uh you go through a series of rounds and you score uh you score based on cards that you've been able to draft um it's kind of maybe a grown-up sushi go kind of thing um and it's cthulhu based uh the card art is awesome uh it's it plays really smoothly there's uh it's really easy to teach just about everything you need to know is on the cards um played it several times with several different people uh nobody's ever gotten caught up on it or you know weirded out over it or anything uh it is really really pretty plays very quickly easy to teach uh it's tides of madness yeah have you ever played this or tides of time uh no i almost it's a game that i almost picked up every once or a couple times because um, i love cthulhu and um for whatever reason i didn't but i always i've heard great things about it i hear people who uh, who have it really do like it I enjoy it a lot. Um, all right, so I'm going to jump away from collectible card games <laughs> and go to um, uh, Agricola, all creatures, big and small. Um, this is a two or two player va- version of Agricola, and it is. I've never actually played Agricola. <laughs> Oddly enough, I've only played this version, oh. and from what I've heard, that it's not exactly the same. It's similar. There's some similarities, but it's not. It's not Agricola shrunk down. It's it's like Agricola Duel is what it is. It's slightly different rule versions for um, Agricola the structure. Uh, I just it's a good game. It's a it's a dense game and it. But as usual with Uwe Rosenberg, it's it feels like a game of his where there's a lot of choices here, a lot of strategy options available to you, and you definitely feel like you didn't choose correctly when you lose <laughs> because there's not a lot of luck here. Um, but that's satisfying. If that's what you're looking for, uh, a puzzle to figure out against someone else, then um, this is great. It's also just kind of funny to build up your little pens and build your animals and try to make your uh, farm as efficient as possible within the round limit that uh, exists in the game. The game, physical game itself does come with some fun little meeples to play with, um, little farm animal meeples and uh, fences, if you're into playing with fence. <laughs> physical fences i guess little sticks that represent fences it's the Catan road thing where it's just a little stick and that's a fence or a wall or whatever you want it to be um but uh once again this is also another one that has a good app for it so i play it mostly on the app um but the app does have the ability to play with other people so another one if you're looking for more of a dense two-player game all right i have played uh i've played agricola but not uh all creatures is it great and small, big and small, big and small, big and small. I have not played that one. So, um, yeah, if it's anything like Agricola, it's definitely dense. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think it's less dense than Agricola is, but it is still more dense than I thought it would be. <laughs> right. It looks like it's a little farm game. And, but then you're like, Oh, there's a lot of thinking, oh, what a figuring out I got to do here, but still very enjoyable. Well-designed. Fair enough. All right. So my number four is a game called, it's a small game. Uh, called Fox in the Forest. And it is by Renegade Games, and it is a trick-taking game. It is a very small game. Um, it's If you've ever played any trick-taking game like Spades or Hearts or anything like that, uh, you know exactly how to play this game. There are only three suits instead of four. And it is a two-player only trick-taking game, which I have never heard of before this and thought, wow, that's how does that work? (laughs) Um, But it works surprisingly well. There are powers on some of the cards, the odd-numbered cards uh, between 1 and 11. Uh, The odd-numbered cards have special powers that allow you to do things like change the trump suit or... um, make the your opponent play the highest card they have in their hand of that particular suit um, or you know what have you there's there's quite a few of them um, they are quick powers they're easy to understand they're not anything that's gonna clog up the game or complicate anything if you have a friend who's a spades player or a hearts player or even a pinochle player um, they're going to really enjoy this game and they're going to pick up on it really, really easily. And that's uh, the Fox in the Forest. Nice. All right. My next one is uh, a little 
cat and mouse game that I uh, play every once in a while. I It's a game that I enjoy, but I've got some, I wouldn't say frustrations about it. It's just one of those games where I'll take a two-player game out when Chile and I go out to a restaurant or a bar or something like that. And this is more in more thinky than I think it, it you would expect it to be. This is Mr. Jack Pocket. Um, I like Mr. Jack Pocket because it is you are hunting through the back alleys of London looking for Jack the Ripper. And for some reason, you're Sherlock Holmes, even though those don't really <laughs> coincide. They sort of mash them up <laughs> as Sherlock Holmes and Jack the Ripper. Um, but you're you are. Uh, you're running around the back streets of London if you are Sherlock Holmes and you've got Watson and their dog, Toby, I think. I can't remember what the bulldog's Toby, name is. Toby, yeah. It's Toby. And then um, you're trying to triangulate your views down these alleyways to spot Mr. Jack, but there's other people loitering in the alleyways. And so you're trying to eliminate who is or who is not the killer, and it changes every game. And as the killer, you are trying to um, either be seen, but be seen with other people to create confusion on which one of you is a killer, or not be seen and try to not be seen with other people the same way. So there's always options of who who is the killer for the investigator. So it's a, it's an imbalanced game on that side, or it's asymmetrical. But I really like it, and it has a really interesting tile rearranging structure to it it is more thinky though than you might expect so it's definitely a game you want to like you're going to be sitting sort of mulling over your turn for a minute um it's not a light fast game but every once in a while i'm really in the mood for that and it does satisfy uh that uh quite well so mr jack pocket is is a, a game i recommend that stands apart uh in the two-player genre i agree there's not a whole lot else like it it's fair i love the asymmetry on it i think it's an exceptional game all right, so my number three is a game called Lost Cities, and it is a two-player card game. Uh, it also has a board game version that plays up to four, and I think there's like a some other version and uh, a dice version or something. I don't know. Um, but Lost Cities, the original card game, uh, it's old. Um, a lot of people are like it's old and busted but it's not it's <laughs> not uh, yeah i still really enjoy it uh it is a classic example of a game you can sit down set up drink a beer drink a cup of coffee talk to to the other person about stuff even on their turn and they're not going to tell you to stop because you're mathing they're mathing and so so it's just one of those it's it's easy to play it's relaxing it's uh you can play it over and over again uh i can't i've probably never played this game one time it's always been you know uh i play it and hey you want to play again yeah let's play again real quick let's play again uh this is the kind of game that can just be played three four or five times in a row and you just it's just great like that, and I I really enjoy it, and that is Lost Cities by Reiner Knizia. Yeah, great game. Still holds up, definitely. Uh, I like the, we were talking about the vibe of it, too, before we started recording. It's just like a really easygoing strategy, but there's definitely like a flow to it that you can get into, yeah. so it's really satisfying. Um, all right, my next one is a little uh, caveat here. I have not played this game. I am going to play this game very soon, but this is a game that I get recommended a lot as a good two-player game, and that is called The Duke. Uh, the Duke is the original game. It's very hard to get your hands on it, but they did a reprint of sorts in 2018 called The Duke Lord's Legacy. Um, I, as far as I can tell, it's the same game, and then they did... Um, uh, like the rules are the same, but they just uh, rewrote the rule book. It's kind of good an upgrade in the presentation and then added a couple new tiles in it. But the Duke is once again similar to chess, except that you are drawing characters out of a bag. You start with three characters on the board, the Duke and two footmen, and then you get to move the footmen and the Duke, or instead of moving, you can draw out another character to support your uh, cohorts, I guess, your little army that you're building. Um, so it's just kind of a cool dynamic system of a growing army or a growing force versus starting with all those options and then uh, continuing the game with that. And I've done a lot of reading and video watching about this, so I'm excited to play it, but I thought I'd add it to this list because it's very unique and it is um, uh, just got this really interesting structure that I've never seen anything like quite like it before. So the Duke and the current version out right now is the Duke Lord's Legacy. 
I have heard fantastic things about it as well. Okay, so my number two is Star Realms. Ha ha. Uh, ha ha. Just a matter of time before one of us said it. <laughs> <laughs> this this is sort of my version of the dueling back and forth game. Um card game. So this is a uh smaller deck building game. I I, I know you can play this uh four player, up to four players, I think, but I would never do that. Um this shines at two players. Uh it's really fantastic it has a wonderful app as well um i've played the app probably 10 times more than i've played the actual card game um but i do enjoy the card game a lot too and it is it's it's easy to teach uh, i i know that that seems to be a thing with me but i like games that are easy to teach and easy to get into um i like playing a variety of games so not everyone that i play with has the same has played all the same games I have. So anytime uh, I can have games on my shelf that I can explain in just a few minutes and get out and everybody gets it and still has a good time, uh, I'm going to jump on it. Uh, but that's Star Realms. There's also uh, Hero Realms and I have uh, Cthulhu Realms. Yeah. Um, and they're all basically the exact same game, uh, but Star Realms is in space. Uh, I like Cthulhu Realms a lot. Uh, but I haven't played it nearly as many times, so Star Realms is my recommendation. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, also on my list, I just uh, and once again, great. You can pick up little cheap expansions to it that that affect the game in a lot of fun different ways. Uh, the base games though is still fun to play, and I I also play this one uh, fairly regularly still and still favorite. Once again though, uh, you're gonna need immediately need to get a different package because those boxes are made out of printer paper and they yes. will fall apart right away. Yes, so. I have several boxes of them that are sort of half boxes because <laughs> they torn. Yeah, they're completely in pieces. Pick it up slightly wrong and it just falls apart. Yep. Yeah, so. it's like paper mache. Yeah, <laughs> that hasn't dried. Yeah. All right. Well, the next one that you guys knew was coming uh, is Netrunner, of course. Uh, I just thought I'd quickly mention it because it is a fave of mine. I love going back to this game. It's classic for a reason. You can still get your hands on it. Um, there's uh, there's still a lot of resale market here. Obviously, it's not being printed anymore. And the original core sets are getting sort of kind of stupid expensive on the uh, on like eBay or something like that. But if you can get your hands on it, it's definitely a great one to play. I love the asymmetry of it. It's a fun cat and mouse game and a bluffing game and just does what it does extremely well. So Netrunner. Yeah, I, I really like Netrunner a lot. So that's a good one, Android Netrunner. Um, all right. So my number one, which is uh, I think the best two-player game that there this is in order yeah i'm curious um, if we have the same one we'll see and mine mine is star wars rebellion oh um it is awesome it is literally <laughs> star wars in a box uh you can uh change the course of star wars history you can basically write your own movie it's very very thematic it's gigantic uh, it's a very, very large game. Um, and one player is the Empire. One player is the Rebels. They have a hidden Rebel base, and the Empire is trying to find it. Um, so the, uh, but you're in the meantime, you're sending, you know, people like Luke Skywalker to train with Yoda, uh, but you might send like Han Solo to train with Yoda, or you could send, you know, Princess Leia off to, you know, negotiate something with, uh, there's just all sorts of neat things that you can do in this game, which is essentially a cat and mouse game, uh, but they've added so much more to it to make it just a big cinematic experience. Um, and I've never seen that in in a two-player game. Yeah, Most two-player games are like the ones we've been talking about on these lists where they're kind of small games, even the dueling games, you know, they go back and forth. Um, but it's... Uh, this is a a cinematic game and it's a big game and it's nice to see a big game for two player only yeah. um, again they almost kind of ruin it because you can play four if two play players play the rebels and two players play the um the, the empire and then you can 
like you said, you can argue over what to do, right. uh, which never makes any game better. No. At least I've never played any game where like arguing with somebody makes anything better. Um, so basically what's going to happen is one person's going to say, we need to do this. The other person's going to be like, okay. And so it's still a two-player game, Yeah. Uh, no matter what you do. So don't don't fall for the trap that it's a four-player game. It is absolutely not. <laughs> it is just the best two-player game uh, on the market, and that's Star Wars Rebellion. I believe by Fantasy Flight. Yep, yep. I have almost bought this game several times. I have not played it yet, but I've almost bought this game several times because I hear such amazing things about it. It is a heavier game. It is on the heavier side um, on the game scale of complexity, but it gets rave reviews. It's got miniatures. It does have that dynamic restructuring of the Star Wars original trilogy saga that you can, like you, like Bill was saying, you can change sort of how the events play out. The events are going to, you can play them out exactly, but you can also, like you said, augment the story a little bit to your needs as you play. I've heard so many great things and this um, kind of goes back to, uh, you know, good on Fantasy Flight for making this a two-player game and not trying to scale it like we were talking about earlier to something that it wasn't and right. you know they they had this amazing experience and they just went with it this is not a short game this is a very a long game but everything i've heard it is amazingly satisfying uh to play and the only reason i haven't bought it is that just i uh i play a lot of two-player games with my wife she has nothing against star wars but she has by no means it's not a selling point for her <laughs> it's just not like doesn't make things better it's just it's just space, space games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you want the epitome of Star Wars experience, then I would definitely second the choice of uh, Star Wars Rebellion and a deep, long, fun game, a nice night uh, together or a game uh, gameplay together. Um, yeah, this is this is a great game from everything I've heard about it. So it is everything you've heard and more. I love it. I played it a bunch of times, <laughs> and I love it every time. All right, my final selection is also one of my favorite two-player games. It is also a somewhat complex game that I uh, I really like to play when I'm in the mood for a, a sort of a battle of wills that is going to make me think, and that is Twilight Struggle. Uh, Twilight Struggle is a really interesting game that is based around the Cold War. And it was, uh, it's been out since 2005. This is also one that has an, a very, very well done app. And there is a Steam for a game uh, version of this on Steam as well that regularly goes on sale, which I would highly recommend. It's very, very well done. Uh, but this is a game where you are one or the other side. You are either the United States or you are the USSR. And you are battling for dominance within the world. So that is basically a territory control game of influence. So you're not sending troops anywhere. You're influencing countries to be on your side and not on the other player's side and you are just this ebb and flow of that is very well done in this game you play these events that are events that are from the cold war but similar to rebellion you play them um when it benefits you so the cuban uh, uprising might be good for you if you're the united states player for whatever reason you can sort of change alternate alternate history within the game on events going one way or the other uh, when you play a card, you a lot of times have to choose a card that does something for the other player. So you are choosing the best option for you while knowing that most likely it's going to help the other player slightly. There's these great disruptions that you can play as well. Scoring is done interestingly in this game where uh, a scoring card can be played. And then so you can you can activate scoring when it's in your best interest. Um and uh, anyway, it just does these amazing things really, really well. And uh, the designers who did it have done that. One of them did go on to make another game about uh, the 1960s presidential race, which I have not played, but I've heard good things. Um, but it's the other one. This is the only game he ever designed. And uh, I just love it. I love this game. It is very dense, though. And it it's a game where you're going to want, again, once again, sit down for a long play time. I would say it's rated at 120 to 180 minutes. I'd say easily does it do that. Um, but it's just extremely satisfying to play a very rich experience and a surprisingly good job of capturing the feel of that time period. You never feel like you ever really have a footing, um, which sounds bad, but it, you both players have that similar feeling. There's always a back and forth, like you're always worried or um, thinking about what could go wrong and uh, trying to build a strategy while putting out a lot of fires. So just just an amazingly satisfying game. I really love this game, and I, I highly recommend it to anybody. 
Yeah, this is, um, I have heard tremendous things about this forever. Uh, this is, uh, for a long time, this was number one, number two on Board Game Geek. Uh, it's number five right now, which tells you since it came out in 2005. Yeah. And it's still in the Board Game Geek top five. That tells you uh, how this is thought of in the community. And uh, this is uh, routinely on everybody's, you know, top 10 of all time kind of games. So uh, I definitely would would support that one. So, um, yeah, I, I want to play it pretty badly at some point. Yeah, it's uh, if you can find it, like I said, it's it can be hard to find the base game. Um, but like the apps are very, very well done. The one I have is the Steam version, uh, the one on Steam and it's 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 quite quite well done um so i would i would recommend checking it out in any way it's just a very unique design and structure and oh man i love i love this game <laughs> but once again you got to be in the mood for it because it is it is pretty dense yeah yeah that definitely everything i've seen has it as a pretty pretty complex game so all right that's that's our tens right that's that's our that's all 10 do you want to do a quick rundown of a few games that play more than two but that play well at two just um, rattle them off sure all right <laughs> just throwing that out surprise um i just yeah i just thought surprise. we'd mention because this game uh, a lot of these there are games that play really well with um with bigger counts but you might be surprised at how well they play as a two-player game the top of my list is actually pandemic pandemic plays uh really really well as just a two-player game i my wife and i have played this several times and i find it very satisfying and fun to play as a two-player game uh well uh if we're doing this real quick uh one of my wife and i's favorite games two-player is orleans uh which is my favorite game of all time and is exceptional two-player uh i i would probably still i i probably prefer it at two players if we're being honest interesting um, it's a big, dense Euro game, uh, but it can be done. We can do a two-player game in well under an hour. We oh, do sure, a two-player yeah. game in 45 minutes, Yeah, uh, which is kind of unheard of for a game of that size. And that's one of the things I really like about it, especially when you've got two experienced players. Uh, plays really well, too. That does not surprise me, actually, because my uh, next one is similar, has some similar elements to that, and that's Concordia. Concordia is a game that has, uh, there's some similarities to Orléans. There's a, basically, Concordia, there's part of Con- Orléans that is kind of like Concordia. Um, I love Concordia as a two-player game. It is a very rich experience. It feels very tight. The board flips. There's two sides, so it's, you know, they can, there's a two-player board which uh, scales it appropriately. But yeah, I love this game. It's it's just a really um, fun Euro feel with that card drafting ability. And so there's all these different elements that mix together very, very well. And it still feels, with the different map size, it still feels tight. It doesn't feel like there's too many options like a lot of the games do um, when two players suddenly there's just too much to be able to do. And uh, one of our favorite go-tos is Concordia for two players. All right, well, I'm going to toss on Viticulture. Ooh as a great two-player game. Um, it is really good at max players. I think it's five, I think. Um, but it plays really, really well at two. Um, I think it also has a solo with an automa, uh, but plays really well, surprisingly well with two. Uh, if you and just know one person and you've been you know, debating Viticulture, uh, big thumbs up, it nice. plays too well. All right, and last one I'll throw up just as a quick one is uh, Paperback. Paperback is just a um, word-building game. It does that structure. It's basically, We've mentioned this before, but it's basically um, Dominion as a word-building game. <laughs> if you want to slim it down to its bare elements. Uh, obviously, it adds some different things there, but it does that structure very well. It applies very well to word-building game, and it's nice because it's not about who has the biggest vocabulary. It's who can manage their deck and use the letters that come up um, more frequently than the other so you can make a ton of small words and win this game very easily so as a two-player game it's a nice back and forth and uh i really really like paperback structure i like i like paperback a lot too i don't think i've ever played it two-player yeah it plays well with all player counts but we like to play it as uh, we play it quite a lot of two okay um so i'm gonna call my last two-player game uh that i really enjoy playing two-player is terraforming mars uh, it plays 
really, really well with two. Uh, it's a really good back and forth. Uh, it almost comes, feels like, like a weird mix of a co-op dueling game when uh, you play two players. It also, one of the big downsides of terraforming wars in general is that turns can take some time. They can be sure, really yeah. dense. Uh, with two player turns go fairly quickly, uh, all things considered, and there's not nearly as much downtime, which is to me is the the detriment of the game there. But uh, terraforming Mars plays two very well. All right, well that should give you guys way too many options. Way too <laughs> but many, but some options. good differences and selections of games to choose from when you just have one other player with you want to play with and sit down and have a good gaming experience. Um, which is uh, some of some of my favorite gaming experience have been in two player setups. So. Hope you guys like this episode. We really had a fun time putting these lists together, and um, it's actually inspired me to, to revisit some of these that I haven't played in a while. And uh, remember, I'm just sort of reflecting on all the members, like, oh man, I haven't played uh, Onitama in a bit. I'm gonna break that out. I really, yeah. <laughs> I really love that game. Um, so if you want to reach out to us and let us know some great two-player experiences that you've had or some that we might have missed, you can, of course, reach out to us in a variety of different ways. You can reach out to us uh, at Roasted Games One on Twitter and, and Instagram. Instagram. And uh, you can reach out to us on uh, at Gmail at RoastedGamesCo uh, at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on our podcast hosting page at eavesdrop.com. Fill out the comment section on the Roast Games page. What's another way that people can reach out to us? Uh, they could search for Roasted Games on Facebook. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Um, they could uh, They could mail us. Ooh, send us a letter. We don't get <laughs> any letters anymore. I think we did that joke last time. <laughs> <laughs> just write roasted games right. and then and then just put it stamp like Santa it, Claus. boom yeah. it's there the, po- the post also, office knows where to care of it. the north pole right but oddly enough <laughs> but uh we'd love to hear we love hearing from you guys so um when uh, so feel, please feel please reach out let us know what your thoughts are and then uh we will read your comments and uh and uh have a warm feeling warm fuzzy feeling in our hearts <laughs> yes if that's payback enough but uh mm. until next time and uh, we get all of that correspondence I'm now I'm just really excited for mail to right? arrive. But uh, <laughs> we haven't given anybody an address. But we're <laughs> gonna get it. Really. The, the clues of our address are in all the episodes, so you right. have to listen to the back to them and compile them yourselves. <laughs> there's subliminal PO <laughs> box. Yep. Oh, there's two right there. <laughs> but that's all you get. That's all you get for this episode. Okay. But uh, yes, please reach out to us. We love to hear from you guys. So until next episode, though, we will hope that you have a much uh, less snowy, stormy weather than we are having, and we will catch you guys on the next episode. Bye.